Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 41 of Jake's World, presented by The Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Swinski, and today is Tuesday, October 27th. Two things before I get off and go on on today's show. First of all, I've yet to watch, not Borat 2, but the Borat subsequent movie film. And that's definitely on my list of to-do things going into the weekend. And two, where the fuck did fall go? I know I canceled fall, but I didn't cancel the fall weather. I canceled the fall activities, which makes the nice, typical fall weather not as fun. I don't like going apple picking and going to pumpkin patches. That stuff's stupid. I like watching football and guzzling lunch beers on Saturday and Sundays can't do that if it's 30 degrees outside in the midwest not cool i want that gone i'll uncancel fall if i have to and honestly i think halloween's canceled in the traditional sense it's like if you you know i'm not talking like you know post-grad halloween parties where you dress up and you go to someone's apartment you know for a few beers or cocktails and then uber home i'm talking if you have like a house party you're a fucking loser don't do that but um anyways what i'm saying is i I don't know why i said that just fall weather please come back i like when it's high 40s low 50s for you know a few weeks at least i don't want cold it reminds me of winter no thanks but um yeah let's get into today's show um world series game six is on right now i am watching an ibm commercial and Razor up 1-0 already. It's top three. I'd love to see the best thing in sports materialize that I can talk about later. Game 7. It's been a hell of a World Series, and it's been a little strange just because of the way um, the coronavirus has impacted sports this year, right? Um, Typically, you get baseball playoffs starting on its own you kind of have your its own buildup of course uh, football starts in September typically but um, you get like the actual you know the wild card chase the division title the pennant chase right you get all those stories and sports center actually talks about it not all the other stuff they've talked about you know the last three four months and they didn't have to compete they don't usually have to compete with basketball or hockey ratings, right? I mean, those sports kind of jumped right into a playoff format, so that got up a, got a lot of attention. So, I mean, it's been a hell of a postseason, too. I mean, I've talked about it a little bit, not nearly as much as I would have liked to, but this series thus far has been fucking absurd, right? I mean, I said, I don't see how the Dodgers win it. I predicted Dodgers in six. I mean, I'd love to see the Rays win it, even though, like, I'm not a Brewers fan, right? I don't really have a reason to hate the the Dodgers. I mean, you almost kind of feel bad for them. They run into Houston. Uh, Let's see, 17, they played Houston. 18, they played Boston. 19 it was Nats Houston and now it's raised the Dodgers I mean you almost feel bad for him because it's like yeah they ran into the Astros at their their cheating scandal 
and it's just like I see why they're not likable though it's almost like compared to basketball right if you had the Golden State Warriors like they were every year especially after they got Kevin Durant because I mean the 73 and 9 team and their success was a little more organic right they didn't make a huge trade piece or anything and then they load up and get Kevin Durant right that's kind of how the Dodgers are I mean they've got a pretty damn good team already before this season even started right and they have I mean Cody Bellinger MVP winner in 2019 uh, right yeah when did Yelich win MVP 18 17 and 18 I think yeah I think Bellinger won it in 19 last season um got Justin Turner um Tormund Giants Bane from Game of Thrones looks just like him it's so funny if you like Game of Thrones yeah you you'd understand that um you got Max Muncie got Chris Taylor, Corey Seager, um, Clayton Kershaw, Alex Wood, Kenley Jansen. Uh, you got all these guys on this team already, and they're already like the best team in the National League. And then they make a trade to really set them over the edge, and they get Mookie Betts and David Price. David Price opted out of the season due to the coronavirus, so he hasn't played at all. But I see why they're unlikable. It's just because it's like they're doing that Warriors thing where they're loading up and just to get over that hurdle. And, I mean, it's almost like they didn't even have to. Baseball's that that one game where it's a little bit in hockey too. It's all about getting hot at the right time. And baseball's that unique sport where, unique sport where there's a, uh, so many ways to succeed right and um it's almost like they didn't have to load up in order to get that success that they were looking for it's like having a clutch gene right i feel like baseball's that one sport where you can be faced with the worst kind of circumstances and no matter who's up or who's on the mound or who's out in the field for that other team. It's like they have to beat you, right? I mean, I don't know. There's elements of that in all the other sports too, but it seems like baseball, everybody gets their opportunity, right? There's only one ball in basketball, right? And there's a running clock. You're playing against time. And execution is the of the utmost importance, especially in baseball, just because it's like you have to give them a chance. It's not like... You know, you have five starters in a basketball game or five starters in a hockey game, and they're not all always part of the game. In baseball, there's different roles, of course, but a position player has to go hit. Doesn't have to hit a home run. Can hit a single, but he has to do something. I don't know. It just seems like the execution factors there more so in baseball, and it allows other teams to. To. Uh, you don't have to be the best team to win. Is what I'm trying to say, right? It almost seems like getting Mookie Betts and David Price would certainly set them over the hump, but they're still in a position where they might not win. So. I guess you could say the Dodgers are a little bit unlikable for that. It's just because they've been there, you know, for this is their third time now. 
they've been in the hunt the last four, five, six years, really. And you just got to get it done at the end of the day. So, I mean, it's anything can happen. I mean, as the series goes itself, you know, Dodgers took game one. And uh, I think it was 1-1. Yeah, I mean, Rays got shelled in game one. I mean, I think they made it a little closer at the end, and it ended up being like 8-3 to three or something. And then the bat showed up for the Rays the very next game when, uh, uh, who started? I think that was Snell. Yeah, when Glasnow, Snell, Morton. I didn't ca- I missed the beginning of game four. We were watching the end of college football. And then Glasnow, now Snell again, right? Um, the Dodgers won a close one in game three and five. In game four, that was crazy happened at the end of the game there there were like four different errors that happened on the play in order for the Rays to actually end up winning instead of making the game going to over or extra innings but uh anything that went wrong on that play anything that could have went wrong on that play certainly did so I mean if you haven't been paying attention to the World Series you already messed up you should have been but um yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's nothing like postseason baseball. Because, I mean, the stakes are the highest. I mean, of course, it feels a little strange without any fans there. And there's real no there's no real uh, home field advantage. But, I don't know. It's been a great series. And it's certainly been a good change of pace from avoiding just political nonsense and that kind of news. So, that's been good. Football, I'm going to have to take a step back from that Bears take I made last Thursday, last Tuesday. I said look out for them. They're going to be a contender down the stretch. The way they played last night, I don't really know. I mean, they looked really bad on offense. And, I mean, any intelligent football fan would tell you, yeah, the Bears' offense stinks. They win games with that defense. But what happens when the defense isn't playing all that well what happens what do you do where do you go to next if you can't move the ball you can't you're not going to have any success I mean you can expect your defense to go out there and you know get stops like they did the entire first half I mean I think that game was 10 to 3 going into halftime the Rams had like over 200 yards of offense in the first half, I think. And they were still in that game. The Bears had one drive in the red zone. And they threw an interception. They kicked a field goal and they had a defensive touchdown. I think the final score was 24-10. to 10. Ball control is what beats good defenses. And the Rams were excellent at that. They, you know, you keep that defense out on the field. They're gassed. You, they look tired as you're watching the game. You get a big first down. You you keep the ball moving. You keep the clock running. You keep the chains moving. That's what you got to wither away good defenses, and that's exactly what the Rams did last night. I'm also a little mad because I bet the Bears cover. They did not cover. That was annoying because I envisioned uh, the Rams-Bears game in 2018 where – they, the Bears were at Soldier Field and they put a beaten on the Rams. And, I mean, Jared Goff likes to turn the ball over. Rams like to fumble. 
They don't always play crisp, crisp, sharp football. I was anticipating a little bit more of that, especially the way the Bears have looked in weeks previous. They looked like they were finally getting things going, and that just wasn't the case. So, I mean, I think Green Bay is going to run away with the division in the weeks coming up here. The Bears might drop a few down the stretch. I mean, they're going to be the wild card team, a wild card team in the NFC. Heck, well, you know, I don't know. Let's, we can go through each division real quick. Green Bay is going to win the North. I don't think anyone who watches football or isn't a troll will say the Bears are going to win the North. They're not going to. Um, NFC West is the best division in football with the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams all having. Um, and, and the 49ers are up there too. They're all, I mean, the 49ers are a few games back. They have some problems just because they're so beat up, but they put a pounding on New England. New England looks terrible. I'll get to them in a minute, but that's by far and away the best division in football. Um, NFC East, that was a shit show Thursday night game, and then the Cowboys looked abysmal against Washington. Who knows who wins that division? I mean, I think it's going to be the Eagles at the end. But, I mean, Washington and the New York Giants, if they can win a few of those scrappy games, they might be in the hunt too. The only team in the playoffs for that division is going to be the winner. I think it's going to be a case where it's – I think there's um, six teams getting in this year. No. No, uh, I think they might be doing seven. They might have expanded it this year. So maybe there is an extra wild card team, so maybe three. I don't quite remember the new format because, of course, the division winners get in. I think they added an extra wild card team because they got rid of the second seed first round bye. So I think one gets off, then two will play. Seven, three will play six, four will play five. I think that's how it goes, but I might need to do some reading up on that to be entirely sure. So if that's the case, three wild card teams get in, and um, the way it sits now, I mean you're probably looking at um, New Orleans, Green Bay. Seattle's got some defensive problems. The Cardinals have some defensive problems. The Ram, That division's a toss-up. I mean, you might realistically see... You could see four of those teams in that division get in. And then the division winners in the other ones. So, I mean, the NFC is wide open as, as it comes to those wild-card spots. And the AFC side... It's a little more top-heavy, right? Um, you've got Ravens, Steelers might win that division. It depends how those head-to-head games go. Because, I mean, you might realistically, if those two teams didn't play each other, that's a case where they might lose one or two games. I mean, they could potentially be 14-2 and two to 12-4. and four. You don't know. So those two teams will definitely be in the playoffs. Um the Browns aren't out of the hunt either. They're five and two. I mean, they've got some serious problems now that OBJ's out, Torres ACL. But um, 
If they're in the hunt too, they're five and two. They might be a wild card team. The Titans are gonna run away with the South, I imagine. But the Colts might be right there too. I mean, they're not a terrible team. The Texans and the Jaguars have no hope, so give up on them. And out west, it's gonna be the Chiefs, of course. I mean, no one's doubting that. Um, oh, when I said AFC North, excuse me, with the Ravens and the Steelers. But um, AFC East, it's probably going to be the Bills. Uh, the Patriots look terrible. I've got two Patriots players for my fantasy football team, and it's like you might as well not even play them. Cam Newton looks horrible. And I don't understand that. It's like Cam Newton five years ago was extremely capable of throwing the football. Now it's like I don't know what happened. I don't know if you get brain fog from having COVID and, or if he's not like 100% up to speed yet. I know they've got some other problems. Their wide receivers like to drop the ball. They don't really have a running game right now. I think that 49ers just came out ready to play. I think that's part of it. But you mustered three points in Foxborough. Like, when's the last time they've even lost in New England, yet alone anywhere else, before this season? Uh, it's just crazy. I mean, even the week before, they mustered 10 points against a really bad Broncos team. I mean... Broncos looked really sloppy in their game against the Chiefs. The Chiefs didn't look, you know, really, really good. But look at the conditions they were playing in, too. I mean, it was their first snow game of the year. It was snowing in Denver. It was 15 degrees. And the defense and special teams made huge plays for them. So, I mean, that game was, you take away those turnovers from Drew Locke and Melvin Gordon, uh, that game might be a little bit closer. But, I mean, the Chiefs are probably going to run away with that division, too. Um, I think the Raiders are the only ones who are really even close. They didn't look particularly good against T Tampa Bay. Oh, I forgot about Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay might win the South. Um, the Saints will be up there, too. I mean, having that head-to-head -head win week one really helps. But, I mean, Tampa's hitting their stride right now, so... You, who knows what's going to happen in the, in the NFC South. Um, I'm missing one division for... No, I'm not. I got them all. Um, yeah, I mean, I see the Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers, Titans, um, Colts, Browns, Bills. Those are the teams that are going to be in the hunt, really. I mean, it's just... I don't know, the AFC is a little more top-heavy, I feel like, and there's not one division that is top-to-bottom flawless like the NFC West. So, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot of football to be played left. A lot of football left to be played. I'm really being dyslexic today. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, like I said, it's only week seven. So many things can happen, especially in football. So, we'll just <clears throat> keep plugging away and one week at a time. That's how you got to do it one week at a time. Staying on football, though, um, I want to kind of do a blanket sports argument here. I was thinking about this today or the last couple days at work. Uh, Deion Sanders has a podcast with Barstool Sports called uh, 21st and Prime, right? And um, he brought on Bo Jackson to talk about um, just sports, right? I haven't listened to it yet. It's on my list of things to do. I'm trying to catch up on some other stuff as well. 
But um, those are the two athletes that are most notable for playing two different professional sports at the same time. Um, Bo Jackson played for the Kansas City Royals and the Oakland Raiders. Actually, <clears throat> actually, at that time, I'm not even sure where they were located in the 80s. But uh, I think Bo played on a couple of different teams, but definitely played for those two. And then Deion Sanders played for the Atlanta Braves and the Atlanta Falcons, as well as a few other NFL teams, right? Those are the two best two-way athletes in American sports history. Um, Bo Jackson said that he would run 350 to 400 yards a game in today's NFL. And I just wanted to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take a pause here. Hang on a second. Jesus, it sounds like whoever's upstairs is going to come through the fucking floor. It's really, really annoying. Sorry about that. I'm sure creaking and cracking doesn't sound very good while I'm trying to talk, which is like creaking and cracking. But um, pump the brakes, Bo. Let's step back here and really evaluate this argument here. 350 to 400 yards a game. Most teams don't get that in three weeks, let alone two. Bo, Bo Jackson was an exceptional athlete for his time. He was huge. He was fast, strong as hell, and he bullied guys in the 1980s. Weightlifting wasn't as crucial as it was... Let me rephrase that because I can't fucking talk. Weightlifting is much more crucial now than it was 30, 40 years ago. Sports science has evolved dramatically, especially with supplementation and functional lifting. And not even just that, it's the preparation that goes in, the care that goes into these guys' bodies now is so much more sophisticated and so much more technical than it was back then. Bo Jackson would be a very good running back right now. There's no doubt about that. But 350 yards a game? Bo, half the, half the guys who play linebacker could play like fucking tight end right now. Some of these guys are enormous. Look at Gronk. I mean, that's not like a comparable example but just look at how much bigger players are now bigger and stronger and faster they are now like it's such a hot take and that's that takes ridiculous because i mean football is the one sport where you cannot you absolutely cannot compare eras because physicality is such a huge component of that i mean bigger people are stronger especially if you're trained to do that if your job depends on it like, you have to be huge to compete in today's NFL, and that's all relative. Guys are bigger now than they were back then, pretty much all across the board. They're faster now, pretty much all across the board. I mean, there's of course, there's exceptions here and there. Even quarterbacks. Quarterbacks throw the ball farther. Quarterbacks are mobile. They can do things now. Like, it's just, it's that's the one thing that's not comparable. And that's why the Jordan-LeBron argument is so senseless. Because, I mean, that's probably the next sport. I mean, that's the next sport where physicality and 
just sheer size comes to play. Basketball is a contact sport. If you want to play inside. It's a different era today just because teams don't play defense. That has shifted. So I think that's where the component comes in. But it's like guys today are bigger and faster and stronger. It's just how it is. Baseball is the one sport where you can get away with that. Because the human body is typically capable of only throwing a baseball so hard. It's the most unnatural movement in sports. And... Guys throw 104, 105 now. Not a starter. I mean, your best starters will top out at around 100. Like Michael Kopech sits 101. He had Tommy John surgery at age, what, 23. The human body is only capable of doing so much. And baseball is something where, I mean, no matter, unless you're a robot or a Terminator, you're not going to be able to throw the ball too much harder than they already do now. The whole thing is getting your body strong enough to support the throwing muscles in your ability to throw the baseball. And on top of that, allowing your body to do that for longer periods of time, not you know a few pitches here and there. It's over the course of a start. I mean, Aroldis Chapman was that first guy that really, I mean, that I remember I'm old enough to kind of comprehend, was that first guy that really, really sat over 100 miles an hour on just about every fastball he threw. I mean, there were guys back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s that threw hard. Eric Gagne, he was a steroid user, though. He was in the Mitchell Report. Um, Billy Wagner threw super, super hard. I think he was the same way. Um Kimbrell, Isringhausen, uh, Papelbon, all those guys threw really hard, but it, it wasn't over 100 every single pitch. And Chapman was the first guy who sat that high, but he was only a closing pitcher. There are so many guys now to throw so hard, but that's about as hard as they can throw. Like I said, there's, it's not, in baseball, it's not, the ability to do so, it's like supporting that ability to do so. But with football, that's just absurd. Like that, That's a ridiculous stance to have. And the way the scheming involved with the team play would totally not allow that to happen. Could he physically do it? Maybe. I mean, if he had practice dummies out there or like the, the fuck, I don't know, the Jets defense maybe he could against the Jets okay if run off tackle to the right 40 times yeah you might have 300 yards but I don't know maybe I should listen to the interview to get a more intelligent stance on this maybe he explained something pretty well maybe it was just relative to maybe he's keeping it relative right like maybe his size back then given all the advances and sports medicine and sports science they have now he would be able to push his body further to the limits maybe it was relative like that i'm assuming that's what it was but still 300 you're not it's just not happening so i mean (laughs) i'd love to see it Bo is a stud but i don't know 350 400 yards a game that's crazy 
I mean, hell, I think a quarter of the running backs don't even get to 500 yards in a season, yet alone almost that in a game. So, whatever. Now, um, I want to spin off of sports here for a little bit and talk about something that's going on in the political sphere, right? Um, Monday night, or yesterday night, um, Amy Coney Barrett was appointed as the ninth Supreme Court Justice. There's nine on the bench. And this was a very big deal because she's a conservative, right? So that brings up a whole lot of issues for, you know, people who take liberal stances in their politics and their ways of thinking, right? Abortion's a big one. Um, things like that. I'm not going to get in those specific issues because I don't want to touch that. But the biggest takeaway I had about it was the call against or the call out against our Constitution and the way the entire appointment process works. Now, I really wish I was on a big, big platform where I could say this, right? Because I'm right, to <laughs> be frank, it's true, but we live in such a culture now where it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. If you don't like it, you just say it's wrong. It's not, oh, yeah, you kind of have a point there. It kind of sucks that it's that way, but, I mean, it is what it is. It's not like that anymore. It, today's politics is delegitimize, whatever make that appear illegitimate and change it so it makes you right it's not finding a way to do the same thing you want to achieve in the way that the process is designed right now i go on twitter a lot right and maybe this is where my faith in the intelligence of the american citizen is dwindling so poorly it's because everyone on twitter is pretty dumb it's an echo chamber. You get ratioed if 51% of people disagree with you. You get retweeted and likes and positive engagement if you agree with more people than you disagree with. Or if, I should say if they agree with what you said, right? The Constitution was designed this way. There's a reason why this, the structure of our government is designed this way. Oh, why do we need two houses and two-thirds majority in one and 51% majority in another and why do vetoes happen this way and why does it go back and why is the Supreme Court there? It's supposed to be hard to change fundamental things about our country when it comes to a legal sense. It is not supposed to be easy. There are supposed to be hurdles when a new administration comes in that is polar opposite of the administration previous. It is supposed to be difficult to undermine 
the system and drastically change it. There's a reason why everything is so complicated. Here's a, here's a real great one. Oh, why are there two senators for each state? Um, it should be based on uh, representation. California has 50 million people in it. They should have more senators if the Senate is more powerful than the House. Hey, dum-dum. They already went through that. They went through it 250 years ago. It's literally the same thing that you're arguing about now is what was argued about by the 50 guys who designed the Constitution and the way the system would be implemented. They it's called the Great Compromise. That is what happened in 1787, or I think the Constitution was ratified in 1789, but that argument already took place. The framers were stuck. The big states wanted everything based upon population. So at the time, it was Pennsylvania, it was New York, it was Massachusetts. That's where most of the people lived. And then the smaller states, like New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, Del uh, probably not Delaware because uh, Washington, D.C. was there, or what would be Washington, D.C. was there. But all those smaller former colonies wanted equal representation. And do you ever see the Taco Bell commercial with the little girl? And she says, why not both? And then her whole family like throws her up in the air in a hip, hip, hooray thing because... They were like, we want hard shells, we want soft shells. Why not both? That's exactly what they did. Let's design a system where, okay, you're both not happy, but you both kind of get what you want. That's what a great compromise is, essentially. Both parties leave entirely, not entirely satisfied. That's the whole point of it. You're giving up something to get something not 100% of the way you wanted it, but it's there. That's a good compromise. Neither party's entirely happy. That's what it's there for. That's why it's designed that way. So, and then when it comes to the Supreme Court, like, don't fix it if it's not broken. It's not broken. It's broken because you don't agree with it. Right? Like, and it doesn't matter what stance you take. If you flip the script, the other side would be complaining too, and that's not how it should be. It's just the way it is. You don't need to pack the court. You don't need to expand the Supreme Court. Because, albeit they're extremely important, because they're there to determine the constitutionality of a law. I don't even know if that's a word. They're supposed to interpret the laws that Congress passes, and they keep the president in check. Nine people is plenty to do that. It's worked this long. Oh, it maybe didn't work the way you liked it to? I don't know. Now the fucking dog's barking. It's just, like, not meant to be today. I don't know. I don't even know what I was saying. Okay. Look at it this way. The last time um, a Supreme Court justice was nominated, they threw up a huge conniption about him, his prior activities in college, and, you know, oh, he 
sexually assaulted someone, which turned out to be not true, naturally, because, I mean, that's kind of what cancel culture does. Let's just throw dirt on him. Maybe he'll go away. He didn't go away. And it turns out he's one of the more moderate voices on the bench. Amy Coney Barrett's extremely qualified. Her disagreeing with her your stance on one key issue doesn't make her illegitimate. Just accept it. And the whole premise of, oh, it's an election year. Why is he doing this? Can it wait until after the election? No. That piece of paper or those pieces of paper say they have an obligation to fill that seat as soon as conveniently possible. Think about it. What if a huge issue came up? A huge case was on the docket or they needed to have a session to determine a new law that was passed and oh you tie four and four now what do we do you need nine people you need nine and last time I checked the president the elections are held every four years the term is four years you have an obligation to do your job and you might not like that job or you might think that job is wrong but when you have a job you do it or you don't have your job anymore I mean in politics comes into play too it always has right when President Obama tried to appoint a new justice the Senate kind of blackballed it, for lack of a better word. They didn't approve that seat. That's their job. It's rare that you have control of all three things. When you have control of two of them or one of them, you do the best you can. That's just how it is. Like, get over it. You don't need to change the rules of the game because you're not winning. You just need to win. Right? And politics is so muddy anyways. It gets dirty. It's gross. I mean, bad things are said about people, almost none of which are true. That's normal. But it's like, if you don't like the game, don't play. Don't change the rules just because you don't like the rules. That's called cheating. <laughs> it's called cheating. Be better. You know, I might not agree with all of the talking points that this new progressive wave has come up with. Not because I don't like the ideology in itself. There's no feasibility with it. Look at this Green New Deal. It would cost $100 trillion to implement. How the fuck are you going to do that? That's twice our national debt with interest on it. How are you going to pay for that without raising taxes? And here's another thing, too. Raising taxes only affects the middle class, which is a huge chunk of our population. The filthy rich don't pay taxes. They don't. They find ways out of it because our legal code, our tax laws allow them to do so because our tax code is poorly written. People who are extremely poor don't have money that they can pay taxes on. They don't pay anything. 
Raising taxes only hurts the middle class. That's common sense. Oh, I'm going to have a huge tax increase on earners who makes over $400,000 a year. Well, one, yeah, they can afford it. But two, how many people make over $400,000 a year in income? Investment income is treated differently. That's taxed via capital gains. That's 15%. They invest in real estate. They don't make. Jeff Bezos is worth $130 billion. It's not just all sitting in his bank account ready to spend. There's no liquidity there. So it's like, what I'm trying to say, it's like, when you want to win, there's two ways to go about it, right? You either step up and you learn the rules and you find a way around it within the rules or you quit. And I don't know what's going to happen next Tuesday, but I think there's going to be a lot of unhappy people because I don't think it's going to go the way that the news is saying it's going to go. I think there's a lot of people out there who have kept their mouths shut this entire time, and Tuesday might be a big shocker for a lot of people. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised. So we'll leave it on that note, and I really don't want to talk about it anymore because just like everyone else, we'd like for it to all just stop, like get back to some sense of normality, but we'll see. So. Have a good week, guys, and I will talk to you next time. Peace. Oh uh-huh.